0: Everybody. Hey, thanks, Ben. Uh, so, I want to talk this morning about um, unity and division. Um, and I think it's uh, as I've as I've considered this, I, I want to, as we begin this morning, draw a parallel to the church and to marriage. Uh, scripture teaches a lot about the parallel between scripture and marriage, and, and they. Uh, actually, the church and marriage, that is. Um, and so I think that there's this overwhelming uh, philosophy outside of the church or outside of the church that says that marriage is an outdated premise. So I've got some, uh, some famous people that you may have heard of and their view of marriage. Um, Mike Myers says, Marriage can be viewed as the waiting room for death. Um, Not a very hopeful thought there from Mr. Myers, who is on his third marriage. Um, Woody Allen, who some of you might know, I think he's had lots, like eight or nine marriages. Woody Allen says, marriage is the death of hope. Um, It's funny that the first two guys that I've mentioned are both kind of comedian guys, and they have these really dark uh, understandings and views of marriage. Leonardo da Vinci says marriage is like putting your hand in a bag of snakes and hoping you pull out an eel. I don't know what world Leo was living in, that pulling out an eel would be good. Um, Either way, it's like putting your hand in a bag of snakes and hoping you pull out an eel. Johnny Carson said this, and Johnny had several wives, married men live longer than single men. But married men are a lot more willing to die. At least Johnny's trying to be funny there. Um, The idea that I want to put our minds towards is that, like, our culture outside of the church thinks that marriage is an institution that doesn't work anymore, that's broken. Why should we give ourselves to a broken institution? And the inverse of that is there are a lot of people in this world at the same time that think that church is an outdated, broken institution. Um, but what I think, I, I think Scripture has to say to us is that it's not marriage that's broken, it's not church that's broken, it's the people that make them up that are broken. Um, two less famous people, I have no idea who they were, I just found these quotes uh, this week on the Internet. This, these are two ladies. One says, I got married in June of last year, We separated just two months later. It was so embarrassing to have to tell everyone who came to our wedding and got us a gift that we were breaking up. I don't want to put my friends and family through that roller coaster ever again. I could elope if I ever met someone I wanted to marry. But I just think I'd be okay if we didn't sign a marriage license and just spend our lives together as boyfriend and girlfriend. You see, like, how how broken that is and and how, like, self-centric that is. Another lady says this, I was married and he cheated on me. It's not easy for me to trust other guys right now, so I've put myself on a marriage embargo. My views are spending forever with one person are a little fuzzy at the moment. I'm just not interested in dating anyone too seriously ever again, or at least for right now. So, like, the, the idea is, like... It's not the institution that's broken. It's the people within the institutions that are broken. Um, and, and I want that to kind of paint our minds here today. Um, because he, here's, and I said this last week when it kicked our series off. So we're, when we think of church, we can think of it in three contexts. One, the oldest context is that all believers for all time, forever so from the oldest person in the in the in the old testament to the newest believer today those people are made up of what's called the global church all right the second idea is the the contemporary church so we share that in common with with every church that exists today so the contemporary church and then the third group is is this church north church and and so i think there is something to say for us because the the world the 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 culture thinks that the institution of church is broken but my proclamation and I think scripture's proclamation it's not the church is broken but the people that are made up of the church and so like as we talk about unity and division I want to I want to firmly speak to us here as north church because we have a culture that is telling us that church is broken and people can't figure out how to, how to operate and be within a church and there's division within a church and, and so I don't want to go to that church because it's broken and all churches are broken um, but it's the, the people uh, so give a little bit of context to the passage that we're going to look at today um, that Kelly just read Paul is writing this letter this book to the church in Corinth and He's, Corinth is made up of a, of a bunch of smaller house churches. So it's, it's not particularly what we would think of today. It's, it's several mini house churches within the city of Corinth. And some of those churches, were, most of those churches, were started by Paul. And then they were affected by other guys like Cephas and Apollos and, and Paul and, and others who invested and preached and taught in these smaller house churches. And Corinth is also a major Traffic corridor between the Aegean Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, and for this age, those two seas were very important because they connected east and west and and you would move stuff to the Aegean Sea and then cross through Corinth to get to the Mediterranean Sea to, to move further away so there was a lot of, um, a lot of traffic that went through corinth and and there's also this this great um, economic racial social Big, like, there, there's a lot of diversity that's true about Corinth. There's, there's deep poverty and there's, there's deep uh, wealth that, that's true in, in Corinth. So that's the, the, sort of the context for us here. Let's dig in now to, to the scripture. Um, before we do, I think it's wise to pray. Let's pray again. Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, persevering your word for us here today. For us to learn from what you have to say to us. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would um, bind the enemy here today, Father, and allow us to to hear what it is that you've got to speak and say to us, Lord. Um, Father, you've pressed on my heart the, the vitality of this message, the vitality of what you have to say here, Lord. I pray for our church. Uh, I pray for the contemporary church, Father, that we would... Uh, press into what it is that you have to say to us and we would gather and unite around your gospel, around your Savior, Jesus. It's his name I pray. Amen. Um, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Uh, this is division is a big word it's it 's a really big word, and, and we do well to spend some time thinking about it. Paul is calling us, calling the church by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that phrase means because of what he has done, this is what he 's going to call us to? Do we know that we as a as, as a specific church and as a contemporary church we Operate, we center around Jesus Christ. And again, I've said this at least a hundred times in this church preaching that Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's his title. He is the Messiah. He is the one who has saved us. When we center around Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, we're centering around him and nothing else. So I appeal to Paul, appeals to us. To the Corinthian church, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there may be no divisions. Divisions is a massive word. It is, um, it's a mean word. I've been thinking about this, how to, how to portray divisions here. And I think the best way to, to portray divisions is just to say that it's, it's a mean word. Do you understand what I mean? When I it's, it's it's mean. It intends chaos. It intends strife. It intends for hardship. Like I'm, I think about mean. I, I go back to to school. There was a mean kid when you were growing up, or there was a. Uh, I remember the the only fight I've ever been in. It wasn't really a fight. It was me getting punched in the face twice. This this local kid who was new to the neighborhood. We found out later that he was just mean, and like. Nothing really happened, and he decided to stand up, and he was going to punch me in the face. And before I knew what happened, he had punched me in the face again. And, like, he intended to do harm to me. He intended to divide, to break. And this is, like, division within a church is just mean. You follow me there? Um, Division, though, is— it's. It's chasm. It's breaking and tearing away. It's broken relationships. Um, it means that to not stay rooted to who we are. But I, I want to press in a little bit more to divisions. Divisions is not, it's different than being different. You follow that? Division is mean, different is not. I met a guy uh, walking out of a, a Little Caesars about a month ago, and I was talking to the, the guy that runs the Little Caesars is, is a friend of mine, and, and I've invited him to come to North Church several times, and he's come a few times, but it hasn't been a while since he's been here. So we were just talking about that as I was leaving with my pizza, and this guy is standing by the, by the door, and he said, hey, man, you pastor a church? I'm like, yeah, I pastor a church called North Church. We meet at North County Christian School right up the road. He's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Um, we should get together soon. And I pastor a church up the street too. And so just happened to, to bump into him. And now I've, I've developed, you know, we've met three or four times since then and developed this great friendship with him. But he's from a different denomination, and he's from a, a different stream, and he, we, he believes several areas differently than, than we do. Um, and there's, there's some theological differences, and he's a young guy, so there's, like, some cultural differences between the two of us. Uh, but, but, like, I, I've grown to love this guy. And he's, he's an incredible guy who loves Jesus very much, and he wants to lead his church well. And, and we're pressing in on each other, the ways we believe differently and the ways that we kind of believe uh, differently of, of how to be on mission. But we've also talked a lot about the things we have in common and and sort of like the hardship as he tries to lead his church as, as a really young pastor with some older guys that are in his church and how he does that. And, and so we've kind of connected around that. We've, we've engaged in that. And and this guy is different than me. But we're not divided. Do you, do you see the difference in the middle of that? That's, and I think that's... Super important for us to understand that, that division is different than different. Um, now, press on to this. We're not to be divided, but instead we're be, to be united. United means, the, the specific Greek word here translated means to be made complete. And I want you to just stop and think about the ramifications of that. When division is Happens in a church, you are less than complete. God's plan for the church is less than complete. We are to be united, to be made complete, to, to hold fast together. And then he, he continues on under, to, to kind of like the practical outworking of being united. He says, be of the same mind and the same judgment. That idea is just to center around Christ. Like me, me and the, the other pastor I just talked about, his name is Kingston. What, I, me and Kingston, we're, we're united in who we believe Jesus to be. And who he is to our lives. And who he is to the leadership of our churches. We're in the same mind in that regard. And the only regard that really makes a, a, a bit of difference is to be centered around the gospel. And this is super important for us to understand and get to the bottom of this idea of what the difference is to be united and be divided and how God is calling us to be united. And think back to the analogy of the church. Think back to the the brokenness of marriage. If you have been around a marriage that's been broken, and the hardship that that is, and the pain that that comes from a broken divorce, a broken marriage, some of you are are products of broken relationships. Some of you have broken relationships in your past. And there's great and deep pain that's there. God does not intend, let me, like, listen to me. God intends for us to be united together. Satan intends for you to be divided. It's very simple. God intends for us to be united, and Satan intends for us to be divided. I want to ask three non-rhetorical questions of us this morning. Um, first, what does division do to the body? And what does it What does it do to individuals in the body? So the first question is really two parts. What does division do to the body specifically? And then what does it do to individuals within the body? And before you answer, I'll give you a second to think about that. And I I want some give and take here. Um, I want to say that a lot of you, some of you, are here today sitting in these chairs because of division in other bodies, so I want to be, I want to be aware and, and kind of put that out there. Some of you are here because of the division that happened in other bodies. And some of you may leave this church at some day because of the division that's within this body. But the beautiful part of being a, a small church and the beautiful part of being a church plant is that like, we, can, we don't have to look around at generations that broke this place. We can look... At ourselves, and again, think about: it's not the institution that's broken; it's the people within the institution that are broken. And when we center around the gospel, I realize that Rick is broken, and when he breaks me or does mean things to me, I understand that he's a broken guy, and I expect the same thing from him. And we sent—that's what it means that, to be a church centered around the gospel. So let me, let's ask these non-rhetorical questions. The first one: What does division do to the body? What does it do to individuals within the body? Speak. Somebody give me an answer. Instead of being here in purpose to build each other up, we destroy each other, tear each other down. Absolutely. Instead of being here to build each other up, we're here literally to tear each other down. And like when you say that on its face, it just it's so obvious that it's mean. But like we've all, if you've been in church very long, you've likely participated in that. And it's, it's, it's no less than satanic. It's no less than that. What else? It takes us off mission. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are here to proclaim the gospel to our hearts, to our people, and to our communities. And when we're so stressed out and worried about dividing, it takes, absolutely, it takes us off a mission. Yeah, Rick, you were going to say something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like it, it negatively impacts us. And when we're walking around negatively impacted, being controlled by the enemy and, and our own sin and selfish desires, like our marriages break, our friendships break, our, our coworkers, we're disagreeing with them. And it's just, it's just ugly. And it starts like God intends for us to be united together. Let's move on to the second one. What do divisions say to the world about the church, this is the one that smacks me in the face. What did a vision say? Make the world say? I think it says that we're no different than people who are not in the church. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point is exactly right. The whole illustration about marriage that I did at the beginning, it's a broken institution. Forget about them. And the likelihood is there's a lot of people that, have, that are a part of the church that left church for a considerable amount of time because of the brokenness within the church. Because that's what people think about church. Anybody else? Any thoughts about question number two? All right. Question number three. Why is God pleading with people through Paul to be united? Why do you think he's doing that? Us. Let's get <laughs> yeah. That's a... Pretty much any question you ask of God, even if it's a hard question, why are you being... Why is, why is there hard in my life? Because he loves us and he wants the best for us. Like, I think at, at the theological foundation of this question is, is God existed in community before the world began. The Trinity. Jesus, the Spirit, and God. God is at his essence, at his core, united. And like he, like that's how we are to exist, united together. But divisions break that. And here, as a church, like this is absolutely vital for us to connect with the depth of this on, a, on an individual, personal level. What is my role in this particular church Center in here. What is my role in this particular church? How, is, how am I participating in, in unity? And how am I participating in division? What's my role in division within this church? And how do I engage with that? How do I apply the gospel to my heart in that? And how do I love people when they're trying to divide me? You guys, this is absolutely so important because a divided church is beastly and ugly. God is calling us to be united. Let's move on. Verse 11. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What does it mean when each one of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. Um, let me say this. Quarreling is, is an ugly word too. It's, it's, a, it's, it's strife. It's, it's lying. It's being slanderous. It's saying things that intend to do harm. That's what quarreling means. Uh, and so it gets back to Paul. And the context here, the division that's happening here is that people are saying, Paul's my guy, no Apollos is my guy, no Cephas is my guy, no Christ is my guy. They're breaking up over the leadership of the church. Um, And this is ugly, and it's division, and it's not who God is calling us to be. But uh, so their particular superficial issue was who they swore their allegiance to as their leader, but they were dividing over that. But the deeper part is that there's the tendency of people— to break things. Here's, this is a tension that I've been living in, how to to portray this during the sermon, okay? There is, like, in our, because of our sinful nature, our tendency, our natural direction to move is to break and divide. That's present in every one of us. Because of our sinful nature, our tendency is to move towards breaking and dividing. That's true of you and true of me. And the, the converse of that is because the image of God is in us, and because the Holy Spirit lives within us, our, that, that bend, that natural flow is to unite. So there's this constant battle of our flesh versus our spirit here. To unite and to divide. And Paul is, is, is proclaiming, is, is exclaiming, is imploring these people to be united and not divided. To be at war with their flesh. The gospel is at war with division. So how do we battle division? Gospel. Gospel. That's why last week we talked, we're rooted, grounded, founded on the gospel. We're rooted, grounded, founded on the fact that Jesus Christ, though we were still sinners, died for us so that we could have relationship with him. Do you get that? Put that idea in the context of division. Jesus came to somebody who was trying to divide and love them anyway. When we encounter division within our personal relationships, within this church, be the gospel, be Jesus. The gospel is at war with division. So when you see division, be the gospel. Um, Adam and Eve, Genesis three twelve. Watch unity and division happen. The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Division is happening. Division between Adam and Eve and division between Adam and God. Sin breaks in and breaks unity. Before that, Adam and Eve were perfectly harmonious together. Adam and God were perfectly harmonious together, but sin entered the picture. And look at what he, the woman you gave to be with me, God, you gave me something that was broken. See that statement, God, you gave me something that was broken. What Adam is saying to God about Eve, put that in the context of the church. See that? Adam, us as Adam saying to God, God, the church that you gave me is broken. No, it's not. You are, Adam. Do Do you see the gospel applied here? And then look what he says about Eve. She's, she did it. She's the broken one. She's the messed up one. Unity starts with acknowledgement of our own participation in the problem. And then understanding the only response is God to save us, redeem us, change us. This is so vastly important for us and so vastly important for our mission We've got to understand this. Because of our sinful natures, division is real. Because of we have the image of God, unity is craved. And again, there's a difference between being different and being divided. Skip down to verse 17. "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel." They're divided about who is baptizing and who is leading. Paul's saying it's not about any of that. It's about the gospel. He preached it not with words of wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Like all we're about is the gospel and its power in Christ. Verse 18, for the word of of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God I said it last week I want to say it again do you realize the power of God is present within the gospel he spoke the world into existence he resurrected his son a, a dead man he resurrected that power the full dunamis power of God is present in words in an announcement that's incredible the full power of God is present in news and it that is the power that power applied to us is the only weapon we have to fight the natural tendency of our hearts to divide The only weapon we have to fight the natural tendency of our hearts to divide is the gospel, that you're broken and so am I, and we're saved by Christ. And that's it. You're not saved by Rick. You're not saved by Dave. You're not saved by Jeff. You're not saved by anybody else who's ever invested in you. You're saved by Christ. And we're united around our brokenness and and our deep need for the gospel. Let me read one of the most beautiful passages of the gospel over you, and we'll be finished. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. The beauty of the gospel. And such were some of you. Whoever's doing anything to break you, to bring division to you, you've participated in the same things. And verse 11 speaks the gospel to you. The power of God is present here in these words. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Man, bring this notion to division within our body. Bring this notion to division that you encounter outside of our body. Bring this notion to the people who want to flip off church because of division that's present. We're all broken. We're all desperately in need of Christ. Our primary mission is to live in the love and provision of God and the gospel and invite people into that. That's why we're here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your gospel. God, thank you, not just for your gospel, but because it's true. God, forgive me where I have brought division to this place. God, give me the the power, the ability, the desire to sow seeds of unity, Father. Lord, our mission to proclaim the gospel to our hearts and to our church and to our community is so big and so important and way bigger than feelings, Father. Help us to to understand that, Lord. God, I trust you to lead us and lead us well, Lord. Help us to see the gospel and apply it everywhere. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.